0: Uh-oh, Father's Day is right around the corner and you haven't gotten your dad anything yet. Don't worry, that's where the sponsor of today's show Manscape comes in. You and I both know he needs some serious grooming in his life, so grab your dad the Performance Package 4.0 and he'll thank you for helping him tame his beast. It's a win-win situation for both mom and dad. Go to manscape.com and use promo code RINKRAT that is R-I-N-K-R-A-T for 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code RINKRAT. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls. This year, show your original home some love with Manscaped. Are we recording? Yes, sir. Welcome everyone to the RinkRat Report podcast. Recording this on the day that Bradtree Living has officially been announced as the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs joined as always by Jason.
1: How's it going? Uh, crazy, crazy uh, signing, shocking. I guess acquisition mm. shocking that it came so soon. Also hilarious that the rumors that were going around on hockey Twitter were first about dubious to the penguins. And then once that news kind of died died down, Brandon Shanahan coming off the top rope saying, we're going to freaking sign this guy with tweets from Darren Drager tweets from, uh, I believe it was Chris Johnson. And then finally tweets from Elliot Freeman, securing it, securing the deal. And uh, yeah, a couple, couple uh, hours later, we then had the tweet from NHL and the Toronto Maple yep. Leafs saying it's official. Bradshire living will be the 18th GM in Leafs history. I believe it was 18 that was off the cuff.
0: Yep. We even said last week, like we've, everyone's been saying for weeks now, like the it's most likely going to be true living. Like, come on. Trey living versus Shirelli versus Doug Wilson versus the competition. There was just not great. I, were they interviewing JFJ? Like Mark Bergevin <laughs> was in there too. Like it was just a bunch of names where you went, nope, 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 nope. And then you're like Brad Trey living mm, Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> Makes the most sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into it. Um, we're going to take a look at, we're going to recap Dubis's time as uh the least gm we're going to go thoroughly uh, we're going to do a thorough analysis of how he did in uh trades signings drafting and developing um yeah i guess those three categories there and then we're going to compare it to new gm brad living and what he did over his nine-year span with the calgary flames kind of compare contrast their see if we can find any styles, uh, patterns and who did what better. Right. So yeah, let's go over Dubas first. Yep. Let's get right into it. You wanted to get into the trades.
1: Yeah. So for those who don't know and don't follow me on Twitter, go follow me on Twitter at takes by but I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone who participated in the polls that I've been running over the last couple of days. Uh, they kind of got nuclear a lot bigger than I was expecting. And I think we got some great data on this. I'm going to be looking to like write up some reports. I don't know, I'll write up some reports, like recap it, I guess, is the best way to put it, in the coming days. But yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone because I think this is a solid exercise we did. And I think it's going to give us a good um, idea of what Leafs Nations thinks about the Dubas trade so far. So for those who don't know and didn't see the thread, I posted on my Twitter just essentially the top 15 moves that Dubas made uh, in his tenure. Sorry, uh, top 15 trades that Dubas made in his tenure with the Leafs. And it's simple, just either if he won them, lost them, or if it was just a close close deal where it's too close to call uh, if he won or lost them. And after, I mean, we received like 40,000-ish votes on some of these polls, which is pretty honestly mind-boggling to me. But uh, yeah, like without further ado, let's just run through these. There were a couple that I was pretty shocked to see. I think, I think a fair estimate of like one to loss should probably be like Nine six, then eight seven, because there's a couple that are that were considered losses that I think are wins, right? And I think let's yeah. start here. I, the Jake mustn't trade to begin with, like
0: people voted. I think that a lot of a people loss. that labeled some certain trades wins or losses, whatever, just weren't looking at it or ju- were just being dishonest. Like, yeah. honestly, when you are looking at a trade and it involves a draft pick, it does not matter when you're evaluating just the trade, when you're evaluating the trade it does not matter who became of that draft pick. Yeah, It's the value of the draft pick, the expected value of the draft pick itself. So for example, Jordan, like Brian Elliott for a second and a conditional third, the second became Jordan Kyrou. That's not what you're supposed to look at. Like that's then the drafting and developing of the St. Louis blues. You're supposed to look at what's the expected value of the 36th overall pick. Because that's what you're basing it on at the time of the trade. You're not basing it on, hey, this forty fifth, this second round pick could become the next Johnny Goudreau. So, exactly, and uh,
1: and I I I'm happy you got that out of the way because there are a lot of people tweeting at me saying like you should include draft picks here. And then if you look at the if you look at the true living poll, that's the exact reason why I didn't want to do that. Right? They traded Dave Riddick for a second. That second ended up being Jordan Kyra. So everyone was voting that as a loss, right? But who was picked one pick before Jordan Kyrou, Igor Korshikov, how many NHL games does he have? Is oh. he ever going to play in the NHL again? Right. No. So w- imagine it was that they like, imagine the least pick Kyrou, and then they picked Igor Korshkov. Then that tree would become a win, right? It shouldn't matter. So let's focus only on the draft picks. Let's not focus on the players that they become because teams scout differently, teams draft differently. There are teams that are better at scouting than others and depending on if you traded with those teams who are better at scouting than others, then that trade in hindsight might look a lot worse than it does right now. Or sorry, than it does at, at the time. So anyways, without further ado, let's get back into the Muzzin trade. So the biggest thing about the Muzzin deal, we got Muzzin for uh, as, just before the trade deadline. Let's just say we got him in January. Uh, so one, or two, one to two months before the trade deadline in 2019. It was the COVID year. So, some yes. people some people kind of forget about that. But yeah, we got him at $4 million for the season that we trade for him plus one more year, and we gave up Carl Grunstrom, Sean Dersey, and a 2019 first. Uh, To me, that's a win. I don't know about you.
0: Uh, I would say it's a win as well, simply because the state of the Leafs defense before they made that trade for Muzzin was absolutely putrid. That was the year that they had traded for. We'll probably get into this trade, but they had traded for Tyson Berry, and they had lost Ron Hainsey in the offseason. Now, Ron Hainsey wasn't that good. He was a glass-and-out kind of guy, but when you just have a bunch of offensive guys that can't clog up the lanes and can't play defense, you're going to have a lot of trouble in your own end. And coincidentally, Frederick Anderson's save percentage that year absolutely plummeted. And well, I wonder why the defense in front of him sucked and they just kept giving up backdoor tap-ins and yeah, the goaltending discourse that year was terrible. So adding Jake Muzzin to help shore up that defense was, I thought a very good piece of work.
1: Yeah. I've, I fully agree with that there. And let's, let's keep it rolling. Let's, let's kind of put these, let's put this one in a bucket and include, I'm going to like rattle off a couple more that it should be included in the bucket. I'm going to call this like the deadline deal buckets. And I think Kyle Dubas as a totality did pretty well with the deadline moves or let's say in season moves, right? Mm -hmm. So the other, other trades that were considered wins was the Jack Campbell trade where we trade trade uh, we acquired Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, who made it was making six seventy five k at the time for one year. We got Kyle Clifford fifty percent uh, retained at eight hundred k, and then that was for Trevor Moore, uh, a Toronto third, and t- sorry, and two Toronto thirds. Do you feel like that one was a win as well?
0: I I, I don't know if Campbell him. was making that much. I think he, he was, was making, making six seventy
1: five. He was making six seventy five.
0: That's less than the league minimum.
1: That was not less than the league minimum at the time because when the time he signed the deal, it was six seventy five.
0: Okay, we'll look it up, but anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, it was a win simply because you put yourself in a horrible position prior to the regular season, right? That yeah. was the year they went into the season with Frederick Anderson and Michael Hutchinson as your backup, which was a big gamble to start. Frederick Anderson got injured and then you were left with Michael Hutchinson. So you were really thirsting for, you know, you were thirsting for physicality. And you were thirsting for an actual goalie or a backup goalie, I suppose you can call it, at the time. So it really did fill that need. Now, Trevor Moore has become a fantastic player. Absolutely. It's unfortunate. Like, he was a 25-year-old fourth liner at the time. So that does kind of play into it. But, you know, he was a late bloomer and he has become a very good player. But in terms of it really did fill a need, I really liked that trade still, I would say, for for the Leafs there.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then... Continuing on with the trend of the uh, deadline deals, we have obviously the the, the the four three great deals he made uh, this deadline with O'Reilly. We, all, we already talked about these at nauseum, O'Reilly mm-hmm. deal, McCabe deal, and the Shen deal. We love all those deals. Um, those are all wins. Shen
0: deal I had to warm up to eventually. Yeah, and to go back, but, sorry, about my Campbell yeah, rant ahead. there, the extension had not kicked in. It was 1.65 yes. for the next two years. So that's, that was huge as well. I mean, yes. And he became your starter at 1.65. Are you kidding me? So
1: absolutely cost controlled. And on top of that, like if we're being honest, uh, he probably should have started in the, should have started in the Columbus series. And I wouldn't doubt if we maybe had a seven game series there, he would have started. But
0: anyways, I I disagree with that. That's neither because Frederick Anderson had like a nine twenty in that series. I get it, but again, like I'm not going
1: to re- rehash this. But he gave up a goal on the on the red line. Just can't do that. Um,
0: okay, where was the rest of the
1: team? It doesn't matter. You still can't give up the what goal.
0: What do you it mean? Matter. it doesn't matter. Okay, where was the rest of the team? They were fumble fucking themselves at the bench. Yeah,
1: it was about. Ba- they were humping was bad, the door. course. Yeah. Not good. Not good. But anyways, uh, O'Reilly deal, McCabe deal, and Gus. Or sorry, and Shen deal. We all liked, right? Shen, you came around on
0: the Sandeen one was a little
1: bit weird. That's the problem, right? So now we now. I think that was six deals that we liked that were made at the deadline. So good deadline deals that helped this team improve. There were two deadline deals that he made that were significant that I deemed significant. I didn't include an in the bucket. Cause like they not really affect anything. Not much. Um, So two deadline deals that he made that I did not like, it was the Eric Gustafson 800 K uh, and a first for Raza Sandin, just a head scratcher. Uh, it feels like I get I mean, it. Gustafson. Weird. Yeah, timing was weird. Gus only played three games for us. Yes, he helped us out in the second round. Yes, he helped us out in the first round in game six. But I mean, at at the same time, it feels like Rasmus Sandin could have just done those things. Yeah, okay. I
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of interesting though to look at Rasmus Sandin did get injured at the World Championships. That would have affected his stock.
1: Yes, for sure. But he was only at the world championships because Washington lost. And part of the reason we got
0: injured. No, was cause... well, Lilgrim was at the world championships.
1: Yeah. But again, we're, we're, we don't know if he would have been playing. And like, again, this is all the parallel universe. Stuff. we don't know what would have happened if he stayed with the Elise, right? Yeah. Maybe he didn't, doesn't get hurt. And also it's not like I saw people saying that that's like kind of a knock on him. I don't know how you can knock him for getting hurt when someone like sticks their knee out and knees you. It's mm-hmm. just a tough play all around, but Yeah. I don't know. And also Um, this is
0: like third knee knee injury. Yeah,
1: that's true. Uh, Hopefully you can come back though. Um, But yes,
0: I agree. It was a weird timing of the trade to be trading for a first round pick, not do anything with that first round pick at the deadline as well. And then you get Eric Gustafson as an insurance piece, who was like the eighth defenseman kind of, who was a complete wild card out there. But, you know, whatever. It was a, a, a weird, weird trade, weird timing. Yeah. Appropriate value, I would say, for Rasmus Sandin. Yeah,
1: yeah, about there. I- I'd say, like, what Gustafson was worth a third, fifth to third at the same Third, yeah. yeah. So it's like a Three first. Third, sim- exactly. Like, we talked about this. Uh, Nils Lungfist. Exactly. Nils Lundqvist. We talked about how the many Aussies. How like, many what? playoff
0: games did Nils Lungfist play this year? Zero. Not many. Yeah. Um, Not many. I don't know exactly. I thought it was close to zero. Anyways, it is close to zero. It was probably zero. So, zero. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: all right. That was the one bad deal that happened this year. Now we all—I think we all know—the other bad deal that happened at the deadline here it was the Nick Foligno deal, and my goodness, that was that whole deadline. <laughs> that was just brutal. That was just brutal. Like um, the
0: David Riddich one, I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll defend you on. Sure. Yeah. You had seven teams or six, seven teams to trade with. You needed a goalie because Frederick Anderson was seeing ghosts of some sort, whatever. You just had Jack Campbell, and your other option was Michael Hutchinson, who. Leafs fans would have literally broke into Scotiabank arena and fought you if you had to play Michael Hutchinson in the playoffs. So you had zero options. Nobody else was trading a goaltender of NHL caliber of any sort. And so you like who was left David Riddich and you got to kind of pay the piper. That's the, the correct term for that. And you know, just kind of a desperation move because you had no idea what was going on with Frederick Anderson. Unfortunately, it was just a terrible spot that Anderson put you in. Right. So I'll, I'll defend you for the third for that. I will not defend you for a first two fourths for Nick Foligno and Stefan Nason, who Nason had been played pretty well this year.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Two years removed. He has looked good, but I mean, you trade for the guy, you didn't resign him. If you liked him so much, he played one game. He played one but, game. Yeah. If you liked him that much, you probably should have re signed him, but
0: probably I should mean, have played him more than one game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So, the, yeah, big, big loss for me there. And like one of the biggest yeah. losses, I think, uh, in that's like one of the worst traits, honestly, genuinely, in Leafs history. And, and that is without oh. hindsight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not
0: even Dubas's worst trade, I would say. Yeah, what, one of, one of, one of, one of, sure. I, I will I, I will go back. I wasn't trying to say they should have played Stefan and I'd been a and truther. No, I wasn't saying that. I was saying it's kind of funny that he was thrown in that trade, and then he turned out to be good, it's, right? Uh, yeah, crazy. Exactly, exactly. Um, But, yeah,
1: those are all the deadline moves, except I missed two. Sorry. Ben Hutton. Got to, got ben Hutton to... for a fifth.
0: He was insurance, but, was... but you had nine left-handed defensemen. So, like, yeah. w- were you expecting – were you expecting everyone's knees to give out or something? Because that's when you had Morgan Riley, you had Jake Muzzin, then you had Rasmus Sandin, you had Travis Dermott, and then was Ben Hutton. Number five on your left-handed defenseman uh, depth chart. I don't know if that one was really necessary.
1: Yeah, that one was not necessary. So the common theme we're seeing here is that, like, again, Dubas wasn't afraid to give away picks, which is fine, but at so- at some points he did overvalue... Insurance. Insurance and making the right trade. But at the same time, again, like, a couple bounces go a different way. We'll see. I don't think he was too bad with his trades, especially during this, the midseason. I missed two trades that were of significance from last season. It was the Jordano trade and the Labushkin yeah. tra- trade. Uh, the, the Labushkin trade. Oh, Labushkin, Labushkin, yeah. That one was a little tough because you look, you get uh, – I wonder what yeah. you could have gotten Luke Shen last trade deadline. Obviously, again, we're operating off hindsight here. It's not like the easiest thing, but you were even one of the people who was touting Luke Shen as potentially a guy you'd want to get as a depth defenseman um, because he had that extra year at 800K,
0: which is valuable, right? Oh, uh, last trade deadline. I th- uh, yeah, two I said trade someone would men. have. Two I th- wasn't... I wasn't huge yeah. on them. I was like, whatever, yeah, but still, <laughs> but an extra year of term. Yeah. The Canucks should have done that, but they foolishly thought they were going to make the playoffs this year. And I yeah. foolishly thought they were too, because I'm an <laughs> idiot, but it's, 100% but, Labushkin though, was like to help you get out of that Nick Ritchie contract. I did Arizona pick the third round. No, they, they
1: took the second. So we, they took ah. our 2025 second there in taking Nick Ritchie and, uh, giving us Ilya Lelouchian. Zingle was just a cap dump. That was just to make a salary match. I remember oh, he, yeah. he got only put on played in the, He only played in the AHL for us, right? Or did he, he could put on waivers and someone claimed him?
0: He got put on waivers like right away. And I think someone, did he got he got claimed.
1: Did that he, I'll
0: have he, to look up. I, I, I to, from what I remember, matter. I swear Dubis like called him and was like, Don't even get on the plane. Like
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure we loaned I, I think we loaned him to the farm team on Columbus. Anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. He made one point one sure, million at the he time. He went to San Jose which, after. Okay. And yeah. So he by was, or whatever, he, he, but he anyways, not important. Rain. And if he was, if he was going to go down anyways, it would not have affected our salary at all. So anyways, all in all, the deadline moves, I think Dubis in totality did a good job in season. Mind you, he was a little over, over cautious. I don't know if that's the right word, but I think that's what we were trying to get at is that he made a couple moves that were maybe too safe. But again, I, I'm not going to fault a guy yeah. for being too safe where I think Dubis struggled Was the off-season deals? That's where I think Mm -hmm. he struggled a lot. Right, off-season trades, off-season trades. Right, okay. And obviously, the the one that sticks out like a absolute sore thumb, it's the Nazem Kadri trade. Mm -hmm. Right, and this one was before we get into
0: Kadri though. Sorry to interrupt. I did want to say about the in-season trades. What was really nice to see is that when there was holes, he really like he left holes in the off-season, and then he rightfully so like admitted like okay, like our our backup goalie fucking stinks our defense stinks whatever and he did fill them quite nicely like noticing that your backup goalie stinks and that you have no defense and adding jake muzzin and jack campbell jack campbell including a two-year extension after that year is pretty tidy work i would say
1: yeah but i think a little tangent here but i think there's an argument to be made that should you even go into the offseason with these questions Like Mm. I'm actually going into the regular
0: season with these questions after the off season
1: after the, yeah, sorry. Thank you for correcting that. Yeah. That's
0: a very valid point.
1: Right. Because you're almost like, you're almost gambling even more. Right. And and, and the, the goalie thing, I think with Garrett Sparks, I don't think that was that bad of a gamble. I actually like that. I respect that, but it was more, Yeah. Like, you, you know, my philosophy on goaltending, right? It's like, I think that you can find supplemental value by not overpaying for goalies. I think that's a very big risk that mm-hmm. a lot of teams make is they overpay for goalies. But um but it's also again like we see it's necessary, right? Look at the guys in the look at Borowski in the finals right now.
0: So but then look at Aiden Hill. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's
1: it's always the two sides <laughs> of the It really card, does right? depend so, who's in
0: front of them as well. You have to keep that in mind.
1: Absolutely. But, yes, absolutely. Go on. but yeah, um, so that's kind of like the argument for the deadline deals, is that you're right, he did make good like he did make good deadline deals, but at the same time, there were holes that he needed to fill that he never addressed in the offseason. And like, again, yeah. one, one last example was this past um, trade deadline. Obviously Kyle Dubas felt like we needed more grit and you just kind of wonder why he didn't just do those deals in the offseason. We we're talking off camera about Nolachari. Um, it's because you chose to sign other guys over Nolachari. Nolachari was in talks to come here. We were priced out of Nolachari. Nolachari only makes $1.1 $1. 1 million. How can you get priced out of that? It's because you chose other guys mm-hmm. and prioritize other styles of guys over Noel Chari. in the end was it the right move? I don't know who knows. Right. Um,
0: but Noel which yeah, really of... did increase his value though through the, through the season. I'll say, Absolutely. I'll say that.
1: Absolutely. He did, did, did look a lot better than I expected him to, but anyways, let's get back into the off season deals. Mm-hmm. And I think there's two kinds of off season deals. We can kind of talk about where there's the hockey trades and there's the cap dump starting with the hockey trades. Like we're going to like, it's the su- the summer of 2019. I think it's which kind of changed the tra- trajectory of this team. And it, it was the Tyson Berry and Alex Kerfoot for Nazem Kadri. I know a lot of people at the time did not like the deal or sorry. Like a lot the of deal people because, liked the deal. Sorry. That's yeah. That's what I meant to say. But at this time right now, in hindsight, 81.5%
0: said we lost. Everything. It was a loss. It was a total loss. Yeah. At the time and- I did say I like this. Were These were my thoughts. I said, I think the Leafs win in the short term because like, Tyson Berry's a really good player, and you have him for one year at two point five. But in the long term, Colorado gets a solid centerman at four and a half million dollars. Like those were the main pieces to the trade, right? Yeah. I was unsure of how Tyson Berry, who was an offensive defenseman, who was a sheltered, very very sheltered offensive defenseman, would have looked playing more five on five both ends of the ice. And oh boy, did it not work out. And also just the the mix that the Leafs had at the time really didn't afford for it to work out. Like it would have, maybe it would have worked if you had Barry Muzzin and then you were able to go Riley and another defensive defenseman, some some sort of split like that, but you didn't. You went Barry Riley and then you went Riley Cody Cece, who, who was like a fish out of water here, who then turned it up in Pittsburgh pretty well, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but, but that was that, a, again, again, that trade right there. That was the biggest mistake of the Dubas era. I will say that I think that whole off season, like, can we segue into the second trade from that um, off season?
1: That's are you talking about the CC one,
0: the Cody CC one. Yeah. Let's go because right. Into this yeah, was, so I thought this me... was a great trade. Yeah. Right. Like you were able to get out of the Zaitsev contract you did have to give up Connor Brown, who I was lower on him than most, but I think most would say he's solid top nine winger. No? Yep. yep. Like, yeah. Like was uh, had one year left on his contract this past year, and went for a second round pick, and this was after a down year. Like played some pretty good hockey in Ottawa. Fortunately, had to part with him, but got Cody Ceci, and you got to get rid of that Zaitsev contract. Now, how much? I saw a lot of people saying like, "Oh, the Leafs lost that trade. Like, whatever." How much was getting rid of that Zaitsev contract worth? A ton. Absolutely. Ottawa just gave up what a second and a third to get rid of the last year and a half of it. That's a good point. And the point. Leafs got rid of what six or five years worth of it, and it costed Connor Brown. I'll take that all day. But yeah. what happened after that trade? What what kind of like connected to that trade? It was you the paid CC- Cody Cece yeah. four and a half million dollars for one more year, you could have walked away from him. He was an RFA and you decided to pay him four and a half million dollars. And then you wondered, Oh, well, we had to trade a first round pick to get rid of Patrick Marlowe. Did you really, did you really have to spend four and a half million dollars on Cody CC, who everyone at the time going- coming into Toronto said he was going to be awful. And he was maybe I, yeah. my analysis at the time sucked, but I didn't really like him.
1: Oh, it doesn't matter. I like, uh, I think a lot of people, even the fans from Ottawa would agree that he was just not
0: Ottawa fan nowhere
1: near to where like and even still he's making like he's making less money now, and the cap has gone up well be it <laughs> very incrementally he's making less money now, and he's
0: still not a, uh playing up to his
1: contract so no
0: and what was his contract the next year like, one year one point eight million dollars yeah the year like, after you handed him four and a half to
1: be to be fair, it was an arbitration deal. So he was technically forced to give them the four and a half, but, but away. they could have walked away and they did not choose to walk away. And I think that was the biggest problem there. And that's again, so people moving, moving on from that, we, that was people kind of said we lost that trade. I think we only lose that trade because we gave up, or we signed and acquired Cody CC, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, Connor... that,
0: the, the Zaitsev contract was a lot of money. Yes. Man. Yes, of course. Of course.
1: And, but to be fair, we actually did give up a pretty premium asset in Connor Brown, honestly. Right. Cause what did Connor yes. Brown. The year what before Connor... he was like
0: 25 points, but then in Ottawa, he got 20 minutes a game and he ended up putting up like 40 to 50 or so got a world yeah. championship. But so we... to me, he was like getting overplay. He was getting like first line minutes but he was not a first line winger. So he's putting up good points. Like so still, a, you know, solid, again, solid top nine ish winger, like second, yeah. third line kind of guy. But how, how about
1: this? How many years have we spent looking for a winger to play alongside Nylander and Tavares?
0: A good amount. Last five years, right? Do you think he was, he
1: would have been Could've, the missing piece. I don't know. Could he have been the guy though? Maybe, maybe. have been right? worth a look, I'll yep. give you that. Absolutely. So, but again, I think, like we said,
0: he's a free agent off this off season.
1: Yeah. Maybe, maybe hometown discount with Brad for living in town. Right. But anyways, um, yeah. So the, this, this deal, the biggest crux of it is the CCRFA thing. It was a, it, a win to dump the con, the. Sites have contract, but the CCRFA paying him 4.5. That's a tough pill to swallow because yeah. segueing into the next deal. Two days before that deal, you had to dump Patrick Marlowe by giving a first round pick. Um, which ended up being a very good player. But again, that doesn't know we,
0: but... we don't look at that because uh... we were, that was a first round pick. And we're like, yeah, 31st uh, overall. <laughs> and nope, they 15. started like shit and yeah. lost eight in a row and fired Babcock. So um, anyways, but, but yeah. Yeah. So,
1: Patrick Marlowe at the time made $6.25 million, right? Mm-hmm. We signed Cody C.C. in arbitration. Mind you, again, you don't have the foresight to be able to see what the arbitration deal would have been, but it was 4.5, right? The difference in that is what, 1.75, if my math is correct? Right I mean, you could have buried Patrick Marlowe and not signed Cody C.C., and the cap hit would have been 500K. That's what the cap hit difference would have been.
0: Now, who, you, so, who you, you did need someone to play right D, and you didn't really have anyone. But you know, that's fair. That's fair. But again, some other fat you could have trimmed somewhere else.
1: And we, the the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we're still kind of feeling the effects of the Patrick Marlowe trade. We're still make, feeling the effects of these trades because we've given out so many first round picks and that's kind of lumped in with the deadline deals that with the insurance, we don't have anyone in our system. Who's going to who's been able to come up and supplement with RFA contracts. That's why we've been trying having to go bargain bin hunting and haven't really succeeded doing that. And we'll get to that in a second, but yeah, like sticking with the off season deals that 2019 year was
0: rough. That 2019 year was rough for Dubas. Mm -hmm. He, He made some bold trades. He got rid of some contracts, but, uh, Yeah. Ultimately that one was, was tough. That was also the off season. I believe like right before camp, he signed Mitch Marner 10.9 to six. Yes,
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. That like, bit of a rich contract when you compare it to like Ranton or brayden point but yeah. i mean still got thing. it done i mean also yeah. i love how people refer to that contract as oh the mitch marner holdout the mitch marner holdout guess how many days of camp he missed that year zero zero did not miss a day of camp signed the day before camp hmm. sick holdout bud
1: <laughs> do better next time actually wait, yeah, don't, don't what am i saying what am i saying don't um all right, uh, moving on from there, though, we have the 2020, 2020 offseason where I think Dubis made a couple of good moves. It was the Kasperi Kappen, and cap and dump or Kasperi Kappen, and trade where essentially you turned a cap dump for a guy who was going to go on waivers two years from now into a first Evan Rodriguez and Philip Hollander and an AHL player. Um, if they were able to secure Evan Rodriguez on a cheap deal, this – this deal would have been a home run. They were not, he able was to two do mil that.
0: at the time. So it was, yeah. he was an RFA and it was a two mil. And like the year before he really wasn't, I was not like, good. I was, I was, I had a great time shitting on him, but now I, if you go back and listen, it was just, a, I sound like a moron. Oh, so yeah. good job, Joe. But anyways, Evan Rodriguez at the time demanded a trade from Buffalo and he had zero goals at the time. I thought that was hilarious. So that's where I was like, ah, who cares about Evan Rodriguez? But then ended up becoming a pretty, pretty good player. Like yep, solid. like a
1: legit like a top six player. He he's a top six player. I'm like he's not an elite top six player. He was he made 1.2 million player.
0: this past year, I believe. One point no two mil? Somewhere around there. He didn't make much money this year. He was on a one-year deal, and he had 39 points in 69 games with Colorado. Like a, a solid depth kind of fringe top six player, right? Yeah. 43 like per- points in 82 games with Pittsburgh the year before. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, it was a, g- a good deal
1: in the sense that you got out of the Kapanen contract. The only thing is, again, like we, were, we talked about all those deals in 2019. You just, you had just handed out Kap- this deal to Kapanen. Like you literally yeah. just, <laughs> like imagine you, instead of signing Kapanen, you, you sent Kapanen in the Connor Brown trade. Imagine like, like think about all the other scenarios we
0: could have gone through
1: and it just felt like this is the one happened in that
0: off. But Captain in that year though, was supposed to play a massive role in the top six. He was supposed to be alongside Tavares, I believe, and Marner, but in the tops, if you remember that year in the tops or no, it was the year before. Sorry. I'm thinking maybe anyways, one of those two years, he did the same thing both years in a row. I, I would say. Where in the top six he looked like garbage and he looked lost, and then in the bottom six he looked pretty darn good because of his speed. He was a speed player, but he was not a brains player, so he was never able to kind of fit it together. So that's yeah, where that's where that happened. In the seven
1: years of him playing, it's still he still hasn't improved. So I mean, no, he's still missed, dumb as a rock. Yes, yeah, something we missed in in the analysis here. It's like he hasn't even he hasn't even added like a breakaway move. You know, it's like just does the same thing <laughs> every single time, but. <laughs> Anyways, moving on from that deal, yeah. that was again still a, a very good deal. We also dumped, I didn't include this in the thread, but we also dumped Andreas Johnson for Joey Anderson, which again, a freak. That was actually a really good deal. And I, in hindsight, I probably should have included it because again, you got out of Andreas Johnson, who and both guys went on to being, do nothing. Do nothing. But again, the problem here is you signed these guys to those. Those were the, mm, those yeah. are your guys that you signed, right? Andreas. But Janssen did he not look pretty guy. good
0: beside Matthews?
1: He did. He did. But, then again, we. But, I, I think yeah. at this point, yeah, realized, had too many
0: Andreas Johnsons.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, we can make anyone look good against Matthews. We should not be paying guys three point four mil to stand beside Austin Matthews. It's just, Ooh. that's just not the case. And I get. Are you
0: alluding listen, to something there?
1: No, and I'm not, I'm not alluding. I haven't even looked at offseason mm. plans yet, so not alluding to anything. Okay. Oh, I I am alluding to something. Yeah, I see what you're saying. All right, uh, let's move on there because uh we're like 30 minutes in already and we still haven't even gotten to the other signings we're and drafting. And so nothing. Let's go. I'm going to, I'm going to keep us uh, going here. So then, then we, it takes us to 2022 and this is where it kind of, this is where I, I was starting to lose faith for me. And I think it's reflected. If you go back and look at the podcast, we hated the Mrazic, uh, not the Mrazic signing. I was actually not lukewarm.
0: I, I wasn't, I was guy, there, I like, I like it, but a good signing. It it's real rich, but he kept fast. getting injured. In yeah, my defense, he, a, he kept getting injured. I'll take that. I'll, I'll, I'll fight
1: on that one. He was a broken toy, and the problem is that we traded that broken toy, honestly, for what we deemed at the time to be slightly overvalued. He was making three point eight million dollars for two years. We traded a first with him. Uh, I we had the pick. We knew the pick number at the time because we traded him at the draft, and we received the second twenty fifth. Yeah, I, yep. I twenty fifth to thirty eight.
0: That's yes. thirteen spots, which is massive. So that is a massive deal. If you
1: look at GSVA charts, uh, the value, the, the sorry, va- the pick value charts of what the value of a, um, the value, the difference in the value of that pick is like the equivalent of a. Like a high second round pick. High second round pick. Mid second, right? high second uh, round. Higher mid second round. So we essentially. 13 gave, spots is huge. We essentially gave a high second round pick. To get rid of Freedom razzing. Now, I don't want anyone to come on here and say, hey, we got Fraser Minton. The least I always wanted Fraser Minton. We knew he would be there. No, that's not how guys, that's not how it works. It's not that's how it not works. how it works. That's not how it works. We didn't know who was going to be there. Fraser Minton could have been taken before. And also there were other guys who could have potentially fell there who mm-hmm. were picked one pick before, like Jimmy Snuggerood, right? Who's might end up being one of the better players in that draft class. Um, so again, can't can't analyze a trade like that. So I was I was like, it's Voted as a win, I was like lu- lukewarm, kind of a loss, right? But it, what makes this even that trade even more of a loss was what happened three, four days later after the draft. The Leafs acquired Matt Murray for four point six eight seven five mil. He was twenty five percent retained at four point six eight seven five mil for two years. I made a typo in this, and I hate that I made a typo in this thread because he is. I wrote he was one. He's two years. We got a third and a seventh for it. This is the worst trade the Leafs ever made. Because Matt Murray sucked. And we knew he was
0: gonna suck. He, he had, had 20... some good games. He had some good games here and there. He had, he had However, 20... he was just never he was he had some bad games and he was never available. That's, that's, the that's what was thing. massive. And then also you're putting your other goalie at injury risk by pulling shoot right in the morning or right at game time uh twice against Ottawa. Was there another time that he pulled shoot right at game time? Uh,
1: it was the two Ottawa he... games. Two Ottawa games. There was one here where he was injured in warm up, and then there was the one. uh, There was four instances where the second half of a back to back, our starting goalie Ilya Samsonov had to come in. Two of them was because he pulled shooting in the, in the. uh, There was the Detroit one, right? The one off the head. Remember the Nylander shot off the head. I Think that was Detroit, and then there was the Uh, Boston. Detroit was the
0: Detroit was Raymond. Unless I'm thinking of, was there two Detroit's? I don't know.
1: Maybe yeah, maybe, maybe maybe I'm misremembering it, but anyways, just just not reliable. Put our starting yeah. goalie at injury risk, and you could see Ilya Samsonov in the playoffs laboring because I would they say the no toll backup. on his body. Yeah, just was tough on him. And on top of that, the worst part, I think the worst part about the Matt Murray trade is we never really got to see what we had in Joseph Wall. And yes, Joseph Wall was injured to start the season. But we had Eric Schultz who had proven to be a decent decent enough backup for us last year. So yeah. could we have yeah. just made the risk and done what we did uh, with Jack Campbell? Probably. We never ended up doing that. And we are stuck. We are now stuck with one year of Matt
0: Murray. So, I mean, that kind of
1: recaps all the
0: trades. I it think it would have t- been to to go back on that. I think it would have been way too risky to go into the season with Shalgren and Samsonov. at the time it was Fair. actually murray and Shelburne. they hadn't yeah. signed Samsonov yet Fair i think it's right. just way too risky to wait for joseph wall to see what he was and because he played like an all-star right away we weren't expecting that at all yeah. um so maybe did it work out for the best that matt murray was such a band-aid and we actually got to see a good amount of joseph wall i don't i don't know But
1: maybe, you know, it was a, it was
0: not cap efficient. I'll tell you that for free because he played 26 games. I believe 24 or 25 starts in there and had a 903 save. Actually, regardless, it doesn't matter what the save percentage was. He played 26 games and got paid $4.6 million on the cap to do so. And I don't even think he wasn't on LTIR at trade deadline time. Was he?
1: Yes, he was.
0: But then he had to get taken off.
1: Again, another thing that I think is up for debate here, but we don't know what it was like with the inner workings, but probably could have milked that a bit for the three games that he played after the trade deadline. Dude, you could but, have
0: sent him to Robita Island. Like, let's get real. You could get, have.
1: Get him the mojito. Get him the umbrella straw. Who are these
0: doctors we are employing, and why are they not <laughs> falsifying medical records for us? Ridiculous. Ridiculous um, stuff. But anyways. Yeah, so... um,
1: yeah, that kind of wraps yeah, up. Arthur trade. Shelby,
0: he stunk this year because he totality, was just never able to stay healthy.
1: Yeah, in totality, what would you give like a a, gr- a grade letter grade rating for Dubas's trades as a whole?
0: Wow, that's a loaded one. I Putting I on personally do think he got like if you just look at the last two years, I, I think it was or actually last three years post, you know, say the say how about the. Post Cadre trade, I would confidently give it like a BB plus. Um, but you have to include the Cadre trade. You have to include like the CC trade in there. Overall, then a C because I think that that Cadre trade was just massive, massive, massive. And here's why: you signed John Tavares to what two a year or two before that. That was after the first a year, year of John that. Tavares, right? Yes. So you had the strategy. We have four guys or three guys whatever eating up a massive amount of the cap you can win with that strategy however when you're getting rid of guys on ch- uh, good value term good value deals with term and then you're just supplementing the rest of your depth with a bunch of Andreas Jonsson Kasperi cap and ghosts in the playoffs like it doesn't work. You didn't surround the team correctly in that sweet window that you really needed to. So that was, that's where that, that, that Tyson Berry trade really had big ripple effects in the Dubas era. I will say so overall C, but last three years, I would say a B or so. Well, the, the last B- three years does include Felino, unfortunately, but yeah. still I would say B plus.
1: It's weird because, as you go along, he has made better trades, but he's also made significantly worse trades right We just talked about his worst trade being Matt that Matt Murray deal and one of his other worst trades being that Mirazic deal. so yeah, I'm in the similar boat with you here with the c i I think I'd g- give it a c plus though because I think maybe I value the good trades that he made. maybe I'm valuing them more okay. than than you are but uh yeah, so i I give it a c yeah c plus, plus is fair. Right?
0: Overall, like over the dupe. Overall, era. over the I'm Sorry era. if you can exactly. hear the meowing here, but uh, C plus. I think C- I think my cat Gus agrees.
1: Yes, uh, agrees with the C plus. All right, so moving on from there, we'll try and go through the rest of it a little bit quicker. But the signings. Yeah. You have any like, like let's let's first talk with like RFA signings, right? We know the big stories of the Nealander signing, the Matthew mm-hmm. signing, and the Mitch Marner signing, right? The biggest criticism at the time was too much money, not enough term. So yeah. what are your thoughts?
0: So essentially why I, I believe Dubis didn't uh, sign Matthews, Marner, Nylander to the eight year contract because he wanted to save a little bit on the cap. Um, like shorten the term, save a little bit on the cap because Matthew signed for 11 and a half over five years, right? If he was getting eight years, he would have got close to McDavid money at 12 and a half there. Right. So you save, say you save like a, a million and a half or so, or a million and a bit. On all three of those big RFA guys, right? So that equals out to what? Close to four and a half million, three and a half, whatever. Unfortunately, this is a wild. You got, you got. But unfortunately, I don't think you did the best that you could with those with those savings for a long time, right? I think it took up until like the last two seasons for you to effectively use that money. So that's where. Those are, and then on top of that, now when you look at it, like, like imagine three or three more years of Austin Matthews. It would have been at 12 and a half, but imagine three more years. You don't have to deal with this flux. Like, in theory, he could leave for all three of those guys could leave for free, like, pretty soon from now, right? So, absolutely, absolutely. And I think,
1: uh, again, I'm gonna just get, a, get in front of this right here. People are gonna say, The lease got screwed. It was the COVID year. No one knew the cap wasn't gonna go up. Well, you're right. No one knew the cap wasn't gonna go up. Every other team had to deal with this. The the leafs aren't the only teams that had problems as a result of this, right? Every team had to navigate this. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a fair excuse. Um so I again like I'm not too I'm not even too mad about those RFA deals. You gotta get them done, right? They were okay. I think I think maybe I think a different GM maybe could have gotten them at less term or sorry, less dollars, maybe less term. That would equal to less term. But again, I, I, I'm not as mad about those RFA deals. The RFA deals that I think people should be making a bigger deal about are the other ones that we signed, right? It was the, Kapanen, Kerfoot, Kapanen, Janssen, the Janssen, Kerfoot, the Kerfoot, the captain. Those three guys, I mean, wow. You paid three and a half mil for four years for Alexander Kerf, but you paid 3.4 years for four mil for four years of Johnson and you paid 3.2 years for three years of Kapanen. If you almost create that as a third line, that's nine mil dedicated to your, sorry, 10 mil dedicated to your third line on top of the 40 mil you're paying your top two guys, right?
0: Yeah, that was the 1920 year against Columbus. Look how many goals they scored that year. Would those guys in the playoffs? (laughs) Those
1: guys aren't even like two of the three guys aren't even in the NHL anymore, right? And the other guy, Alexander Kerfoot, he was the go to guy for everyone's cap friendlies trade, Trade, cap buyout, everything so. The biggest thing that we said when we had these, like you said, we had these four guys at ten million. The strategy, when we we're talking about Kadri, the strategy is that you supplement it with cheap guys. You, the problem wasn't that he overpaid the stars. The problem was that he overpaid the cheap guys who were not good enough to for like good enough for us to supplement that value. That was the biggest. That's problem. a good way to look at it. So, with that being said, RFA signing wise. I'm I'm sore I'm sorely disappointed with how Dubis handled things. Now, in the coming years, he seemed to he seemed to have done a bit better. I will give him credit. Joseph Wall signing. I don't know if that's all him. I don't know if other GMs would have been able to do that. That is a fantastic contract. You got to give him credit where credit is due. That is a fantastic deal, right? Good Three development years there. That, yeah, good development there. Um, the Lilgren Sandin contracts. Those are pretty good contracts, uh, mind you. The Sandin stuff. That stuff happened we don't have to talk about that anymore we already <laughs> talked about it in the trade um those are good contracts right uh I'm just trying to look back and see any other deals yeah and um yeah that that's that's pretty much it like those those were good and I, I and the themkaev as well one point six four five by two that's another good deal right Dermot yeah. one and a half by two how do we feel about that
0: that's too rich for me uh Remember he took seven fifty the year before? Oh yeah, it was the, You were was also the able to trade him for a third round pick. That's so it's not
1: terrible. It was a top shelf deal. So, anyways, um signing wise with RFAs, I just feel like didn't do a good enough job in that twenty nineteen year to secure those guys at the right number. And I think he did I think it gets overblown what he did with the core four. I think he did sorry, I guess core three 'cause Yeah, he did cares. okay. I think he did okay. I think that's fair to say. Um yeah.
0: Moving on from it's there. Also Toronto, you had, you do have to pay a premium on guys. Like you're not getting Braden point eight by nine and a half here. Yeah. It's just called, not the way it's it called income tax t- or right. state tax or whatever it is. Province. Yeah. But, income tax. Yeah. Um, but UFAs
1: though, on the other side of the coin, I mean, he only ever really signed one big UFA and that was John Tavares, John Tavares. Right? Like, mm-hmm. in his, in his tenure here. His... But also
0: to look at it, like you could also only afford one big UFA yep. because you made it right away.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I also want to throw in there and TJ Brody. TJ Brody was also another good oh, yeah. signing from
0: him as a UFA. The other guys he Total dollars is UFA... were, were some uh, like, was that his biggest one?
1: So the, his top four were John Taveras, $77 million value. Uh, and the uh, next two would be extensions and Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin. Those are considered UFA signings because yeah, of course. they're signed as UFAs. Um, even though they weren't officially under oh, yeah. agents, the mm-hmm. ending of their previous contract was a UFA contract. So, um, yeah, Morgan Riley, Jake Buzzin, uh, Morgan Riley trade. I mean, I was a Morgan Riley detractor. I, like, he played well in the playoffs. Is seven and a half million worth it? We'll see. It's we still have him for another seven years after this one. So, I mean, we'll see how it ages. That was kind mm-hmm. of the criticism at the time who knows at what point the wheels will start to to fall off for Morgan Riley. And then the Jake Muzzin deal, I think that's actually tidy work. So the Jake Muzzin-TJ Brody deal, I think, is really tidy work. Now, when when we get a little deeper, this is where the problems start to manifest, right? But it is,
0: got to think about it with Jake Muzzin, though. It is fortunate that we're able to just put him on LTIR. Imagine that he was playing at a 5.6 mil cap hit like he was at the beginning of this season. If he was just consistently playing like that, Cause he is getting older. He has sustained a lot of injuries. So you did kind of get a little bit lucky here, but in terms of UFA signings, the, yeah, like you have the Tavares one outside of re-signing guys. So like Jake Muzzin, it was TJ Brody at 20. And then it drops a lot at uh, Peter Mrazek at 11.4 mil. And this is total value, right? So yeah, not a lot and- of big money guys.
1: Yeah, so, and, and with the Muzzin thing, is that, like, the chicken or is that the egg, right? Was it as a result mm-hmm. of him getting injured his play like, like that or was his, his play already going to look like that and we are just, like you said, fortunate that he got hurt. But, I yeah, with his...
0: Injuries, but, yeah, yeah. It's,
1: um. So, but, yeah, looking at some other deals that he signed, like, the biggest one obviously being the Peter Mrazic one, something that he, he handcuffed himself with and had to get out of. Uh. Same thing with the Nick, Nick Ritchie deal, right? Something yeah. he handcuffs himself with.
0: And uh, you also and- got to look at it like this. You had a limited amount of cap space. You did not have a lot of cap space over those two off seasons. And you spent how much money on Nick Ritchie, Peter Mrazic, who I think we both thought they were decent signings at the time? Yeah, we did. Oops. Honestly. We did. We did. <laughs> Oops. But they turned out like shit. And then on top of that, you had a certain amount of cap space and you spent how much of it last year on Matt Murray? But I, th- I think he did do some lot. good finagling. You got to look at it. Like, you did go into the playoffs. How excited were you the last two playoffs with this roster? Very excited. Very he, excited. He, he put forth a pretty darn good roster despite these mistakes. So, I, I think you did kind of bear the cupboard on the draft capital there, made up for a little bit um, with that first round pick. But you do got to, you can't hyper focus on the mistakes. And you do got to look at like, How did the Leafs look the last two years or so going into the playoffs? How confident were you? Right? Yeah. I was pretty confident. But here's here's the thing, though. Is
1: there any scenario where you have John Tavares, William Nylander, Austin Matthews, and Mitch Marner, and you're not confident?
0: Possibly. I mean, look at the roster. I guess the Montreal Canadiens roster. Was that that one versus... I was confident in that team. Yeah, I was too, because I'm a Leafs fan. But like that one versus the current day roster. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely better. Definitely better, but. Right? That one versus the Columbus Blue Jackets roster. Yeah, but again. It's, I, I it's see just, what you mean. Yeah. You were hand gifted. You were gifted Matthews, Martin, Nylander. Uh, Matthews Marner, Nylander. and then even t- Tavares did some finagling where it was like San Jose offers him more money. The Leafs offered him a one-year, fifteen mil deal. This is from the rumors that I've heard, and Tavares had to go back to the Leafs and say, "No, you need to offer me this, and I will accept." And then the Leafs did. So he did favor the Leafs a little bit there, but you know he still is getting paid an egregious amount of money right now.
1: And, and that's something you see across the board as well. It's like that a lot of other GMs aren't don't have the benefit Mm -hmm. of Um, that's true.
0: That is true. You're getting those older guys that want to come back to their hometown and, and play for the Leafs. But then also you got to compare it. Guys also want to go down to Dallas and Tampa Bay and Florida for those favorable state taxes that you don't have up here. It is a disadvantage and an advantage to be part of the Leafs. You're not Calgary. You're not the Calgary flames who actually do have a better tax rate than us. I believe, right. I could be wrong. My, I don't have my tax sheet in front of me, but you're not the Winnipeg, J- so, never mind, the Winnipeg Jets. You're not trying to attract people to come play for the Winnipeg Jets, right? So it is it's it's difficult but depending on who, right? Yeah, but I think the the free agents
1: that we were trying to attract would probably fall more into the bucket of willing to take a discount to come to Toronto than being the type of guys who would want to go somewhere else and get a ton of money, right? Maybe. Like Mark Giordano, again, guy who wants to, took a stay-at-home discount to stay here, 800 k mm-hmm. for two years. Obviously, we know everything about Jason Spezza and everything he did for mm-hmm. this team. And I think the biggest one, and I think Dubas' best USA, UFA signing, other than TJ Brody, was Michael Bunting. And, I mean, maybe it was right his guy. connection with Kyle Dubas beforehand. Actually, I don't even think Kyle Dubas had a connection with him. I think Kyle Dubas had left the team before Bunting joined the team. But Again, maybe it was the connection with Sheldon 2013,
0: Keith. Twenty thirteen Bunting was drafted to the Sioux. So I think Dubis was still there. Um but who cares? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, so uh
1: again, like you do have the benefit of being in a big market where if people want to step up to the challenge and want to play here. It's
0: it's a it it's happens though with teams. I mean look plus. at you. Joe yeah. Pavelski next year slated to be a cap hit of two and a half mil. <laughs> like Crazy. for the Dallas Stars, right? That's crazy. What a steal. You know? So, it, 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 again, you're in that middle sort of ground. You do have the higher taxes in this province, but you also have the pedigree of being the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. something to to keep in mind. Did we have any other signings there?
1: Uh, that's pretty much it. But there's a bunch of signings that we can go into, but I think that's pretty good what we covered.
0: Yeah, I think we covered the big ones. Like Andre Cassha was a pretty good sign. I want to throw that one out there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of minor ones that, who cares? You can look at them yourself and make a decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, so you and want then, to get into Trilogy? So
1: moving on. Well, I just want to quickly touch on the last thing. So first, quick grade on how Dubas deals with RFAs and UFAs and how he uh, dealt with signings. W- Oh my God, that's a tough one. It's tougher because less, not less room for error, let's say less opportunity for error, right? Because the Mm -hmm. amount of cap dollars that were even allowed to be allocated as a result of, again, you bringing in those big guys. Um,
0: What's the grade that you give, I guess? You didn't have much, but in signings, what did you do with those limited dollars for UFAs? I would say, uh, because you did have to get out of a few of them, but then you did get a starting goalie out of one of them at 1.8 mil. You did get a first line winger from nine fifty, but how do you weigh that versus you got a salary dump at 2.25 for two years. You got a salary dump goalie at, 3.8 3.8 for two extra years after his first year. Oh, that's tough. I don't know. What would you say? I'd say B, mi- uh, yeah, was, B- minus. Yeah. B minus UFA.
1: Yeah, I think B minus. Yeah. I guess like you, you secured our core four. Could have been better. You signed John Tavares. You signed Jake Muzzin. You signed Tijerbo. Those are all good deals. After that, I mean, other than the Got a couple of bargain, bins couple of bargain in there. ones. Like
0: never lost some a- mid tier ones, yeah. Lost some there- mid tier ones for RFAs.
1: Yeah, that's the biggest thing is that we never were able to hit a home run on those mid tier guys, which I think would have mm-hmm. helped us out the most. Um, But just quickly moving on, one last thing. Should probably just touch on the drafting and developing. Uh, We were pretty vocal throughout the entire this season and last season. We this team as a whole just has never done a good job with developing prospects, at least I, in my opinion, and it's not so much of the development of, I mean, other than Joseph wall, I guess, but uh, it's not so much the development of it. It's more so the providing opportunity for these players. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe this probably should have factored into our signings, but you purposely putting blocks in place to put in front of your young players who are probably NHL ready that that's a big problem for me with the drafting and developing process on top of not even from from the past five years that Dubas yeah. was here. So give an really, example
0: of that one. So I think of
1: oh, sorry. So like
0: you're alluding to it, but you're not Lilligren
1: and Sandin, right? We started yeah, no. this year where Rasmus Sandin was our essentially, I think, eighth defenseman. We signed yeah. like look at the guys, we signed Jamie Ben. We signed Victor. Do we ever have to sign Jordy Jimmy ben, ben or Victor? Yeah. Sorry,
0: Jordy Ben or Victor Mette? never really had to do that i, liked- I don't think they were ahead of sandine though but he was the eighth defenseman you're correct he was essentially and then on the eighth top of that the go back a couple of years uh sandine had played about half a season with the Lear. i can't remember how the, many games The Miko the go- deal. Miko Lettinen. miko freaking lettinen guy played the 19 that games Sandin, for us sandine was started the, that year in the minors and got injured in the minors because the leafs went out and got miko lettinen How necessary was that? Not necessary at all. And
1: as a result of that, you have a young prospect who's 21 years old, who went almost literally in a calendar year. They're playing a single NHL game. That was a a ripple effect of you
0: wanting to bring on Miko Lettinen, who
1: does he even like, did he ever play after last year or did he
0: just, he ended up in Columbus and Columbus terminated the deal. Uh, I guess he went back to the KHL. It's just
1: crazy. It's just, Again, you didn't do the like you never gave those guys an a, a good enough opportunity. Um, and then also just looking at the guys who he drafted, right? Like, listen, Matthew Nyes is a home run. Don't get me wrong. Oh, that yeah. is that is a fantastic pick. Fantastic. But like really other than that other than that, has there been anyone that he like drafted that has been
0: Robertson, good and I mean, has well? promise.
1: Robertson has promise. Been I'll give rocky. You that. Sandin and Lilligren were both good picks in the first round. Lilligren technically wasn't his pick. That it was, was not his pick under Sandin the Lou era. Sandine was his pick, but at the Dursey same time. was his pick. Dersey was his pick, but I, <laughs> I mean, is that is that his pick or is that a guy who the previous regime of, of it was still
0: uh, technically the previous scouts that were there in 2018. Um, but I mean it resulted in Sandine, Dersey. And Holmberg, yeah. Well, actually, Pontus Holmberg—that's a great one. Mac Hallwell, yeah. Philip Kral, but you none don't of those guys are
1: probably ever going to play in the NHL. The year after that, again, like Nick Robertson, then, and
0: Duragichin, sub two.
1: Yeah, like maybe they'll yeah. they'll they'll sniff like thirty NHL games. Anyways, Um, who other than that, like in the last three years, has there been anyone who's looked good? Like we were talking about the two Finnish guys who like least fan. Like again, I was excited about these guys. But if you just look at Ronnie Hervin and compare him to Ratu, right, who was drafted in 2021, a, a second round pick, plays in the SM Liga, or played, excuse me, in the SM Liga in his draft year plus one. That guy put up almost a point per game in that league. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Hervin, this past year, put up 28 points in 57 games. Yeah, That is not something that... That would be trend like that is not something that that is not a type of guy who's going to translate to the NHL. It
0: seems like just by looking at that again, I've never
1: seen him play. Ratsu's
0: a better player, uh, and Ratsu's projecting to be a lot higher, I would say.
1: But um, again, my, my my point is, is like people think that we have these guys coming in the pipeline. Who are they, right? Nikita
0: Gramenkin, Gramenkin,
1: that guy, you know what, that guy might be good. That might 26 points in 45 line. games in the KHL, and your D plus one, that guy's good, right? But again, we, a- we don't know. We'll see, but we'll see that the 2020 draft, a promising start. Yeah, for sure. But again, other than that, it's really only Matthew Nice, Nick Robertson. And then that's, we'll that's see about much it.
0: Minton. Who knows? Uh, I mean, Ty Voight is another. We'll see. I mean, had a great, 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 great season this year. Pretty good season last year too. We heard Sam cause talk about him a couple of years ago. I would say saying his colleague Col- Colby Armstrong was, uh pretty happy with what he saw from him there too so yeah just a couple yeah, small small ones here and there but yeah you're right i mean it is unfortunate that like like you had a 15th overall pick in Rodian Amarov i just really hope that he pulls through we're yeah. praying for him like that that it does take a hit to the farm system that like this is it's terrible that happened like i just i hate i hate even like just talking about that that draft because yeah. it's and, ju- it's so unfortunate that he's not yeah yeah first to, to him
1: obviously not not including him in this at all because no. again that's nobody's fault and to even suggest that you're essentially a piece of shit so yeah um not even i hate that.
0: i hate when people are like they could have the, it's, the it's like okay you could also ever. go walk into traffic buddy
1: yeah Um like but um yeah so i just i i think I think this is something that you mentioned uh, before we started. People view Dubis as like, again, like a forward thinking GM and he was at the time. And I think people translated that to him forward thinking, um, drafting differently, drafting small guys. So therefore Dubis is a good drafter. I don't know if he's that good. I don't. And if we look at these last couple of drafts and we look at our current state of our farm system and how they rank up against the rest of the league, it's just not that good, right? We don't, we're we're Corey Prondman every year, Scott Wheeler every year does does a prospect mm-hmm. rankings. Uh and they like they they never have the Leafs high up on that list. They're always towards the bottom. Yeah. Right?
0: So but team... typically towards the bottom are all like the, the good teams. 'cause the good you're teams, trading of draft course. picks and you're trading of prospects, course. right?
1: But there are some good teams who do that who are still able to draft and develop well. So Okay. Mm-hmm. I think this is, I think this might be his biggest sweetness, or, or one or two years from now, all these guys are going to be playing for the Leafs on rookie deals and I'm going to look like a yeah. freaking idiot. So if we're that's not, the case, I'm even, Yeah, happy. we're
0: not the biggest prospects. We don't know. Let's just, let's just don't know. call I don't it know. how it is. I mean, like yeah. Matthew nice looks pretty good right now. That's what I mean, we can say, but I think a lot top, of people, everyone sure. is going to overvalue what they have in their prospects. I, I think that's just a given. So what we're evaluating it on is, like, who's, like, ready and roaring to go? Like, Bobby McMahon is ready and roaring to go. Unfortunately, he's also, like, 26 years old or 27 years old. So it's not really a prospect anymore. But, like, I don't know. Who from the 2019 draft is ready and roaring to go? Like, Abbott says he got a couple games this year. Didn't look good. He had his moments, but. Whatever. Like, Kocken is not ready. Abramov got traded. Mikey Koster's still in college. He's whatever. Callie Lopin and they actually let go. And then you have Nick Robertson, who... Yeah. So, I guess, like, the the, the ready, ready and roaring to go, drafted and developed prospects from the Dubas era are Pontus Holmberg, Nick Robertson, Matthew Nyes. Am I correct? Yep. So... Yeah, three guys. The rest are not really that that close. Grabenkin yeah. though. We'll see. I we mean,
1: that one's a good one. That's an we'll interesting see. one. Like that seems like he has promise. Like, but again, but we'll see. Could could flare out. We'll see. Yeah, um, exactly. So let's move on then to. Uh, what grade Mr. would you plus? give him?
0: Oh, uh, D plus D. I'll yeah. give him a C plus because I really it's like Matthew Nice. C minus because Matthew Nye is a stud. I'll give him C plus because of Matthew Nyes. I have faith in Nick Robertson. Uh, Pontus Holmberg looks like he could slot into the lineup next year. So there's a few guys, right? You were able to parlay a couple of these prospects into like Sean Dursey was a great pick, right? You can't can't just discount and say, nope, doesn't count. Like you were able to parlay that into Jake Muzzin, right? So there you go. Right. Anyways, next up. Sorry. Uh,
1: So yeah, let's, that's, I think that wraps up Kyle Dubas's tenure as the least GM over the last five years. And I think it was nine days he was the least GM for. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, all in all, I think, I think a lot of people thought Kyle Dubas was one of the best GMs in the league. I think I said this last episode, he's probably closer. Like he's probably a top 10 GM closer to 10 than he is to five. Probably, definitely top fifteen, but probably in the fifteen to to like seven range. That's probably where I put him. And something that needs to be mentioned as well, he had literally every resource at his disposal to make any moves that he wanted to do. Right? Not a lot of people have have this. Not a lot of GMs have the same luxury that Kyle Dubas had. For example, being well, being able to acquire guys and just throw them on LTIR if, if shit hits the fan. Right. Being able to have, again, like like everyone says, the best nutrition staff, the best uh, uh, training staff, the the most dollars committed to an analytics department, right? Not everyone is able to do that. And a lot of people think it's because they don't want to do that. That's not true. Look at Carolina. Carolina wants to do that. They only have three guys hired in their analytics department. Why is that? Their owner is cheap as, as bleep, right? Their owner is cheap. Our owners are not. Our owners are willing to pay hand over fist to make this team good. And they're willing to put a lot of money, uh, it in the GM's hands to ensure that this team is good. And that's something that no other GM in the NHL can get other than the one right here. I think it's fair to say that if starting the NHL from a clean slate, having nothing, which GM would you want to be We're completely redrafting the entire NHL? Which GM would you want to be a part of the, the GM of? Probably be Toronto with the amount of amenities you would get as GM and amount of... uh you know what I'm trying to say? The amount of dollars you get mm-hmm. allocated to your staff, things like that. Is that fair? You're not getting,
0: you're not getting, um, chintzed, we'll say by the owner, right? Yeah.
1: It's, it's not going to be like in Moneyball where the players have to pay for soda in the locker.
0: Room, yeah. Right. There's not like the best, the worst for. 50 feet of shit. And then us, yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not the Oakland athletics. Exactly.
1: So that's something that needs to be, I think, kept in mind. Um, but Kyle Dubas is no longer our GM, right? Our GM is now Brad for Living. And Brad for yeah. Living spent, I think it was nine years, as the Calgary Flames GM. He was the assistant GM in Arizona before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was his first run as GM, and I think spending nine years as GM for your first run is pretty good. If you look at the team he inherited, it was not a good team. Um, but, I mean... Let's let's run run through this. Let's try and get through this a little quicker than we did with Dubis here. But uh, yeah, let's let's start off with the trades because again, same thing. I was able to run a poll, and again, thank you for everyone for participating. Uh, I posted this poll. Uh, I want to say Tuesday night at 10 p.m. And again, like over twenty thousand, almost twenty thousand people have voted now. So again, thank you everyone for participating. Uh, going through these trades though, we have Triliving having ten wins and six losses, uh, and I think. His biggest strength, where whereas Dubis's biggest strength was the deadline deals, Treleving never really made a push for these deadline deals. Yeah, we don't know if we don't know what the deal was there. Could that have been ownership? Could that have been uh, him not willing to him not part feeling like draft team...
0: picks? Like yeah,
1: he didn't want to part with draft picks. Him feeling like his team was not good enough to do so. We don't know what it was, but he didn't really make a lot of uh, deadline. Well, not deals. good
0: enough. One year they had fifty wins. That's true. They're and he bounced in he... the
1: first round four straight. And he deemed that it was not worth it for them to improve their roster. And, hey, maybe he was right because they got bounced in four straight. Would one player have improved that? Who knows? Again, who's to say? There was one move that I want to highlight. And I think what we're going to do instead of going through all these trades is just highlight them. If you want to check them out, go check me out on Twitter. Um, Yeah, so the the biggest trade I want to highlight here is I think one of the best deadline moves of the last five years, and it was the Tyler Toffoli trade. Uh, Tyler Toffoli – Calgary got Tyler Toffoli at 4.25 mil, which is a fantastic cap hit for a, a, a top six winger, very borderline first line winger. 4.25 mil for three years. In exchange, uh, they gave up Tyler Pitlick, who had a had a good year that year, I think, uh, at 1.75 mil by one Emil Heinemann, Heineman, uh, mm-hmm. a 2022 20, first and a 2022 20, fifth. So you gave up a first and a fifth for Tyler Toffoli, who is. Again, a top six winger.
0: Well, Heineman pretty... was also a second what former term? second round pick that they got in the Sam Bennett deal the year before. Yes. So I think that's a no. Tyler Pitlick, I don't think is really like yeah, he was he's he's actually a year older than Tyler Toffoli, and he's like a fourth line player. So that's where so like a, a, a decent that prospect, a first round pick, and a fifth round pick. Yeah, for Tyler Toffoli, for which is actually something you really, really need to hit home here. He was on the con on the books for that year, this year, and next year. So yeah. two and a half years at 4.25 mil for Tyler Toffoli, who had 34 goals and 73 points this year.
1: It's not bad.
0: It's not bad at all.
1: And, and I don't think I'm understating it. Like Taylor Hall's probably up there with like good deadline move. The thing with Taylor Hall, though, he was only signed for one year. He was also exactly. a right right? So the extra two years of term at four mil, I think that's a big win. And I think oh yeah. It's something that I think Trilliving did maybe a little better than Dubis. Was I dunno, I I feel like he did a little better in understanding value and getting good value for trades. What do you mean? Is that fair to say? Like, well, again, like this. The, the value of a three-year term for a guy who's going to be in your top six and getting him for 4.25 mil, I think that's a good deal. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, it's 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 great value. I don't know. I wouldn't, like, knock that against Duvis. I mean, wasn't a great value getting Jack Campbell for 6.75 and then the next two years at 1.6? Like...
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So
0: I would just look at this, like – Like, the Tyler Toffoli trade was a great one. Um, He was fantastic for them this year. In a a year where a lot of Flames fans, a lot, a lot of Flames fans complained that nobody would shoot the puck and nobody could score on this team, he had 34 goals. The next highest on the team was Kadri at 24. So, just to add, he was very important to this team. Yeah, on top of that... much.
1: He did make some other smaller moves like acquiring some depth defensemen uh, in Eric Gustafson and Derek Forbert the two years prior at the deadline. Other than that, never really made big RFA not, moves. Yeah, uh, it, it, like, mean Sorry, deadline big moves. deadline moves. Um, But where he did make his impact was in the offseason. He made a ton mm-hmm. of good offseason deals, honestly. like If we're going to be honest, he made good offseason deals. Starting with the Dougie Hamilton deal. You, you acquired Dougie Hamilton as an RFA from Boston, you, you instantly sign him to a $5.75 million contract for five years. You give up a first and two seconds. Dougie Hamilton, we know who Dougie Hamilton is. He ended up being a top 10 NHL defenseman and, and was pretty close to that on Calgary uh, for the four years that he was there. Uh, and then it felt like things weren't going to work out. It, it Maybe he felt like it was going to be too rich to re-sign Dougie Hamilton. Maybe he saw an opportunity to get better players. So he, uh, three years at Three years? Two years? I think three years after they acquired Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. They then flipped Dougie Hamilton along with Michael Furland and the signing rights to Adam Fox, which has to be he noted. Didn't want to, he did not want never to sign in
0: Calgary. There. And he also made it clear then he did not want to sign in Carolina.
1: Yeah. So. so, again, a guy who – a college a college free agent who would not have signed with you – And in return, you got Elias Lindholm and Noah Hanfitt, and you were able to lock them up for $4.85 million and $4.9 million, respectively, for six years. That's some tidy work there. That's some real tidy work. And in relation to the Leafs, these are the type of deals that you make where you trade away good players, but you don't trade them away for just anyone. You trade them away for guys who can extend your playoff window. Because again, a lot of people don't like regular season success, but if you don't make the playoffs, it doesn't, doesn't matter. So you, kinda, <laughs> you need the regular season success, right? You look at Florida. Florida is the perfect example. You don't have to have the best team in the NHL to win. You just need to make the playoffs and then eventually something might go right for you. That's what we should be hoping for as Leafs fans. So that is something that I've noticed with these trades that especially in the off season, that living has made. He's helped extend their window. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and then obviously coming to the most recent deal, the Matthew kachuk sign and trade. I mean, it's voted as a loss right now, but I think at the time, I know you liked the Calgary side. At the time, I said it was a win-win. I think we all said, sorry, we all said it was a win-win. Because they not only did they get uh Jonathan huberto at five point nine uh million dollars, Mackenzie Weger at 3.25, both signed for one year. They also got a. a a level prospect, I think, right? Would you no, consider that? No, a no, level? No, it's like a C. B, C level, C level prospect in Coleschwindt, but they got a 2025 first, which is pretty massive. So, I think the biggest issue they did here again was re-signing these guys. But at the same time, we just talked about this Th- that extended their window. This this Calgary mm-hmm. team is probably going to compete at the very
0: least for the next three to four years. At the very They'll minimum, be competitive next year for sure. And on top of for that, sure. if you didn't re, if you didn't resign them, what were you going to do with like deal them at the deadline this year? For especially Hubertel would have been at a massive discount, I think, too. And after you had just signed Nazem Kadri to a seven by seven. Like what kind of position would that, like you would have been setting yourself up for a total rebuild and not even in the best sort of position. You would have, a lot of vets on that team would have been completely sour. So I think next year they're still in a good position to make the playoffs. Listen to this, Calgary this season, off topic, Calgary this season went to extra time 25 times. That's insane. They had great underlying numbers. The goaltending wasn't that great. But 25 times they went to extra time. That's three-on-three and shootout. Those are pretty much just a crapshoot, just a coin flip, right? And what's funny, what relates to this, we missed a kind of funny deadline deal that Trey Living made. He traded one Richie for another Richie at the deadline. And then Brent Sutter, I think, left some pretty good players on the bench. And with the season on the line, put Nick Ritchie out there.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. the The crux of him was the crux of Tre Living was had to have been the 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 coaching. But um, yeah, I kind we'll I kind of lost. Later. Yeah, I, I kind of losing myself here. But yeah, let's. Uh, sorry, was there anything else you want to touch on with these trades? Or
0: I think the two big trades went pretty well for Calgary. Let's get right yeah. On. I think that's the right. biggest thing. And uh, listen, I don't want to I don't want to
1: let this run for too long. Um, if you want to ch- check out the, all of his trades, check, check, his, check it, check it on Twitter, vote in the poll, uh, feedback is really appreciated, but, um, yeah, moving on from there, let's get into the signings. Uh, and I think we kind of just slowly touched on those. I think he did a really good there job been, of some there, good ones, some
0: bad, ones. there have been some shit ones. Who are the shit ones? Let's start off with that. James Neal. I called the right. I have a text message in a group chat that I made sure to go back and find. Saying, I don't know about that James Neal one. It went sour a lot quicker than I expected, but I knew right away, like a an aging sniper who was on the decline. And you signed him for how much money? I don't know. Kind oh, of good. felt like uh, Mike Hoffman type with with uh, Montreal there, but that was the worst one I would say. Um, yeah, fair enough. But do you have another one?
1: No, I, that one I just want to quickly touch on. I think he did a good job in getting himself out of it, out of it. albeit not the best job. But again, you got a, a usable player in Milan, Lucic, and a third-round pick. uh, And you saved
0: a good 15% amount of cap. percent on to... Lucic. They had to retain on yeah. Lucic. Remember that? Yep.
1: yep. So, I mean, well, albeit not the best, I think a good recovery from it. Let's just call it that.
0: Yeah, you hedged it a little bit, sure. You got you got a fourth line player. Unfortunately, he was making five to five. But look what happened, Edmonton on the other side of that trade. Like James Neal had a good twenty games, and then he had to get bought out.
1: Yeah, fair hey, enough. Yeah, so, and like good and they'll they'll feel that impact. I think for the next two for years after this. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, probably for a little while. For a while, so. Yeah, yeah, uh, not not good UFA deals. Any other UFA deals you
0: didn't like? Or like Blake Coleman was a lot of money. He's a decent player. He's a pretty good player. I like. I would love to have him on my third line, but four point nine million dollars over six years is a lot of money for a third line player, right? Yeah, fair enough. Like, could that have been allocated better, Elsewhere? especially for a team that that was struggling to? put the puck in the back of the net this year, some finishing talent, right? Like, you know, what can you do there? Um, There was, uh, it's escaping me now. Yeah. I can't think of Uh, it in terms um, of signings. There are some other signings that I didn't like though.
1: Yeah. uh, For you, you unrestricted free
0: agents. Yeah.
1: Uh, Let me quickly take a look. The Markstrom deal is one that stands out. Um,
0: Marks from deal is an interesting one though. I mean, I think it was fair. At the not time, a great right? year. I think it was, it was a bit of a risk because he only really had like one starter sample. one year of being a starter looked really good, but one year of being a starter um, on top of that, like he was a Vesna nominee last year. He just, this year got so inside of his own head that like it affected him a lot. Like I think, there's there's a couple small changes that he just needs to make to his game that I think he can really rebound very well this year, right? Yeah, um, I think I think yeah, the trade you were Troy mentioning was ba- Troy Brower oh, is a rich contract signing with Giordano? Uh, yeah, he was a UFA signing. That was, I mean, it was it would have took him from years thirty two to thirty eight at 675, but it worked out well. He outplayed his contract. So <laughs> probably not like the best value at the time to, you know, but um, I think Giordano is one of the few that at ages 36, 37, 38 was outplaying his, his contract at 675. So, but Troy Brower, four years at 4.5 is an egregious amount of money. Mel- Michael, Stone, was going to be your third pairing defenseman, and you paid him three and a half per for three years. Like, when you look at it, his first year, Bradshaw Living's first year as GM of Calgary, he signed Derek Englund to three years, 2.9. Jonas Hiller, 4.5 over 2 is okay. Second year wasn't very good, but first year was okay. Mason Raymond, three years, 3.15 after he had that renaissance year with the Leafs. That one, I think they had to buy out. He wasn't very good. But yeah, right. Uh, right away, he made an impact, and not a very good one, unfortunately. In Calgary, yeah. I think it was it was good the first year. Some of those were probably good the first year, but then they, I believe, they missed the playoffs a year after that. So,
1: yeah, it was. Yeah, it seemed like he made a couple mistakes, but it, I, I, as the years went on, it seemed like he seemed to improve. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I think like, just like Kyle Dubis. Yeah,
1: I think I right. think these guys learn as they go along. So. I think the Nazem Kadri deal, seven oh, by seven, again okay. one of those deals know. that that might be like. Here's the thing: most UFA deals are rich. You're, if you're gonna get at one of the bigger UFA guys, you're gonna be paying a lot, right? Oh yeah. But I think seven came in a lot under than what at least I expected. I think a lot of media personalities were expecting for Nazem Kadri. I think the number was nine, closer to nine for Kadri, if I remember correctly. And on top of that, he fits perfectly in their window with Uyghur Huberdo for their new core. So. To me, I think it's a good deal because, again, if you're the Leafs, what you should care about is, is Brad True Living able to make the moves to not only, uh, to not, like, obviously you want to win the Cup, to to build a Cup-winning team, but to start, to to build a Cup-winning team, you need to build a team that can make Mm -hmm. the playoffs. That's the bottom line. Can we extend the window, right? Because now, it's scary. We're getting towards, we could potentially be towards the end of the window. And this is, like we talked about, it's an inflection point for this franchise. So, Mm-hmm. Uh yeah one thing i the... will
0: say your brother will murder us if we don't mention this chris tanev 4 years oh, at 4.5 is a awesome it's a that very is... very good deal so in, in terms of talking about good deals you you mentioned kadri you like that one chris tanev i thought was a very solid deal right there um yeah the, I don't know how the many interesting thing <laughs> The interesting thing I felt, about I just went dead silent after that because none of them really right. hit me in the face.
1: But it's, it's been a long day. But the interesting thing about to to also
0: notice, think about how 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 easy is it to track free agents to Calgary? Not the easiest, because again,
1: in that year that you signed uh Christopher Tanev to four and a half by four, you lost another player in defensive another defensive defensive in TJ Brody. Exactly. So good recovery there. I don't know.
0: I, thought it was, I think that's a fantastic recovery. Absolutely. Chris has so, been very good for them.
1: F- great. Great for them. Great for them. I yeah. Think. So, so, uh, and Be then last thing we'll get into is his drafting ability. Uh,
0: and again, I've seen some people criticize his drafting of late. Oh, his drafting of late has been terrible. Who have they gotten playing the NHL? Look, your shitty ass coach, which I don't think he's very good at hiring coaches. I'm just going to get in front of that, but yeah. whatever. Your shitty ass coach, like, made fun of your one of your former first round picks after his first game. But guess what? He then went on to play 24 games, and some people were fairly impressed by it like, seven points in 24 games his first year in the NHL, like, had a very good year in the AHL, too. Your AHL team was stacked on top of that as well. Like, so while, like, the last three years criticizing for, oh, he hasn't had anyone that has been like a good NHL or whatever. I don't know, like, really? Like, I, I saw the comparison. Oh, NHL games played from players drafted 2018 and later, and it was Dubas versus Trey Living. And one of them was a guy that Dubas traded, like, two months after he drafted he him. him, yeah. Like, how think... can you take credit for that? Really be <laughs> serious for five seconds here, all right? The Flames do have some good prospects coming up. Connor is a pretty good prospect. Matt Coronado's a pretty good prospect. Um Jacob Peltier, who I just mentioned, is a pretty good prospect. They really, really like Dustin Wolf. You'd you're an absolute liar if you're not, you know, interested in what Dustin Wolf can do in the NHL level. Although he's a small goalie, he moves very, very well, and he's putting up great numbers in the AHL. So uh, Bradbury Living can't draft is a uh, you're just being you're looking at one way to measure it, and it's a little bit silly, in my opinion.
1: So let's just go through what when was the karate? You said twenty eighteen. I think that's just a
0: dumb way of looking at it. So let's 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 look, look, look at twenty sixteen. Why don't we just that's, look at the twenty sixteen draft? That's exactly. And also, what it the, it, drafting's not all on the GM. It's all about who's your amateur scout. Who are your scouts that are out there? So it is an inflection on the GM because he hires all of these people though. So
1: yes, continue. But- Sorry. Yeah, so I was just gonna say, Adam Ruziska, who was drafted Ruziska, in twenty seventeen, yeah. Ruziska in the fourth round, he's played seventy five games. Let's not. I'm not gonna look at first round picks because that's not fair. Those guys should hit, right? They got Matthew sure. Tuchuk in the twenty sixteen draft. We obviously know him, but how about this? In the second round, second round, they were able to draft Dylan Dubé, who's played two hundred eighty two games. Ooh, Mind you, he's a, not, good. not a not a top six forward, but again, he's a. a Contributing NHL player who's like a good depth guy, and then on top of that,
0: they drafted. He's been Adam very Fox. good this year. I think you're underrating Dylan Dubé. Am I? Maybe I'm underrating him. I think
1: he's solid. 45 points in 82 games. I'm underrating him. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe one of those guys who are a late bloomer. Right, the year after that, or sorry, the year before that, 2015. You have Oliver Shillington, who I don't know what what happened with him. He didn't play this year, but he looked fantastic two years ago. Oh my gosh, one of the my one shoot. of the better. Was, uh, not last like two years ago. He didn't play last year
0: or this past. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Not this past season, the season before. Correct. Yeah. This is yeah.
1: before. He looked, fan- he's looked fantastic. He's played 168 career games in the NHL so far. And he's still, he's 25. Andrew manjapani How about that guy? That guy's also been pretty good. 175 mm-hmm. points in 342 games. Like that's a good, that's a good track record there. And being able to hit on these late. And pins. where
0: was, where was manjapani drafted?
1: Uh, sixth round. Sorry. Sixth round. So there you go. Those are guys who you're able to hit on. And like you mentioned, there are guys coming up like Peltier, Poirier, Zari, um, Coronado's supposed to be good. Um, like there's they have guys there. They have guys in their system. And I think if you were to look at the rankings of prospects, uh prospect pool, excuse me, I believe Calgary would probably be ahead of us. Uh probably. Yeah. So Probably. I'm shrugging, I mean, but... Yeah. I mean... hes
0: I, I think he's been a good drafter. I, mean, I, I don't think that's crazy to say. I think it's been solid. Like, yeah. when you take a look... I mean, you do also have to say, when you compare him versus Kyle Dubas, like it is easier to evaluate right now in terms of Trey Living because you have more years to look at. You have, had, you have more years for these players to... Season, who knows in two years, Ronnie Hervin, for all we know, could be a first line center. Like, we don't know that though, we right now.
1: That's true. That's
0: it could true. It tec- and technically I hope he does. speaking, technically speaking, he could, right? He also could just be straight up out of a league and terminate yep. his contract next year and go back to Finland, never to be seen ever again, right? Correct. So, that's where it's easier to evaluate Trey Living, um, because he ha- we have this larger sample size in terms of his drafting. Got to remember that, but I will say some of these picks have been very nice, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, is there anything else really to say about Brad living? Like how here, let, let's do this. How does he compare to Kyle Dupis? Is he better? Is he worse? Or is he probably going to be the same? Cause for me, what I'm going for is that he's probably going to be the same. And is that bad? I don't think so. Because I know a lot of people were felt personally connected, not personally connected, I don't know felt an allegiance to do because he was our GM. He's not yeah. anymore, unfortunately. Right. And he, it was his choice not to, to step away from this team. Right. He could have been back here if he wanted to. And I think Brendan Shanahan has made that pretty clear. Uh, we don't know what's happening behind closed doors, but it was obviously his choice. And whether it be as a result because of his family, or if he wanted to get a raise somewhere else, or if he just didn't want to be the GM of the least anymore, I don't know, but it was his choice to do that. And He's not our GM anymore. Uh, people are worried that we might be downgrading. I don't think we're downgrading. I think we're getting a, a GM that might be in the same ballpark who does some things better than Kyle Dubas, but also yeah. does some things worse than Kyle Dubas, right? So what the biggest thing we should care about is these fans. And I think the point that I've been trying to hammer home this entire podcast is, is this the GM to help extend our window? Cause for me, I don't like, I want to win the Stanley cup. But I also do not want to go through what I had to go through in 2014 or 2015. That was one of the toughest years of watching
0: hockey in my entire life. If you think that was tough, imagine then having to watch, evaluate, do podcasts, and talk about it. I am so scared of going through another rebuild. I don't know what I would do. I need this core to extend. I I need this... uh, the winning time to extend for sure.
1: Exactly. And if I, if I were the GM right now, I actually do not care the number. I do not care the term. I care about the term because I want William Nylander. I want Mitch Marner and I want Austin Matthews to be on this team until they're 35 years old. I love watching those guys play. They're the most entertaining core in all of hockey. If Brad living can help extend
0: our window with those guys.
1: I'm happy with it. Simple as that. That's all I needed of Brad living as a GM.
0: Yeah. Um, I said, "Wow!" Simply because thirty-five just caught me off guard there. But uh, in terms of extending those three, yes, yeah. I would. I would love to extend those three, and uh, see what we can build from there. But I, no, I think Trey Living is is a solid pick. I I don't think he's some wonder boy. We're not getting like the next Einstein. No wonder It's 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 a decent pickup. Like he's a de- he's a pretty decent GM, right? Like. I don't know if you waited any longer and he was gone. Like what else are you picking for him? Like, here's the thing that you also have to remember. A lot of people are kind of looking at, Oh, we should have got Tolski, We should have got Darsh. You as a fan have no idea what they're doing there. Like I see people, Oh, well, Carolina, you know, they, they didn't really sign any good, bad contracts or a competitive team. You have no idea what the assistant GM is doing to contribute with that, especially with Matthew too, who this is, I believe, his first year is being an AGM. On top of that, like I saw someone say, "Oh, Ray Shiro, what a what a great pickup that would have been." He is he didn't sign any bad contracts in New Jersey. He did nothing in New Jersey. He made the Taylor Hall trade, and then after that, Taylor Hall made the playoffs as as part of the New Jersey Devils once, and that's because he went sicko mode to make the playoffs and then just get bounced right away. Ray Shiro did zippo to make the the devil's better in that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And uh
0: yeah, like again, like I'm not saying, Oh, Tolski and Darsh would have been bad options. We just, as we as fans have no, no idea, idea what their con- contribution is. The GM, we can say, okay, you hired the AGM, you hired the scouts, you hired the pro you did. You hired all these people. So the results are an inflection on you. Right? Yeah. So, Again,
1: I think people are fair to be sad we didn't get those guys. But, again, the, our yeah. search is done now. It's done now. It's done. This is our guy now. You cannot yep. like it. That's fine. You can criticize it. That's fine. But he is our guy now. So we'll have to wait and see <laughs> what he does um, for this team uh, before we can give a full proper evaluation. I'm excited for this offseason. I'm excited for this off season. I'm excited for, um, what's to come
0: com? for actual decisions because he's not allowed to be part of the draft. I don't think.
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting. That'll one. be weird. So, um, but I wonder if he's allowed to be involved in trades. This is just like a random thought, but on the, I have no idea. Like, like let's say flesh. you let's because what one thing he did do if you want to take a look at his, uh, maybe this is part of the reason why he was, uh. Pretty good at drafting was his trade backs were some of the better moves. Like mm-hmm. we talked about the move of what was it from uh 25 to 38 for the Leafs trading back uh in the Mrazic deal, yeah. Um, but so- he
0: traded with he traded uh the 19th pick, I want to say, to New York and then for the 24th pick or something like that, and then they traded that pick to Washington. So I I, I just remember it was the picks that ended up being, it was like, it went from, it was the Braden Schneider pick and then the Hendricks Lapierre pick. And then I believe they got Connor area. Still pretty good player. And you got a bunch bunch of extra picks from it.
1: They went from 19th to 24 and got two third round picks as a result of it.
0: That's not bad. That's That's pretty good. That's pretty good. good Two third round picks. Yeah, Five spots.
1: So, yeah, they move back from 19th to 22nd for a third, and then from 22nd to 24th for another. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's going to be fun to see. So I think that just about wraps us up here. Uh, get ready,
0: Trey living, or get ready, Trey dying.
1: Exactly. <laughs> tree lived by the sword, tree died by the sword. Um,
0: <laughs> that was so much worse, but uh, yeah. Trey live and let die. Yeah.
1: Do you want to take us out here?
0: Yeah. Um, Boston pizza has become the number one (laughs) restaurant in, in all of Canada in all of Toronto now after this move, just kidding. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting comparison. It's interesting to break down and kind of take off the rose colored glasses for each of the GMs, look at their mistakes, but also look at the great moves that they've made. These are two teams that were competitive. I would say the Leafs are obviously more competitive, but then again, they had Matthews, Marner, Nealander. the flames did not. So, but yeah, I think what we did is pretty interesting exercise. Let us know what you think at rink rat report and at takes by J. Is that correct? Uh, yes. at takes by J on Twitter and everything else. Anyways, is that all you got? That's all I got. Follow us on Twitter. Shout out to us. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Goalie skill.